And we're going to be turning to the book of Daniel. We're going to be talking about end times prophecy. So I'm going to kind of keep it simple today and kind of give you some basic information that really helps you understand. Uh, so I'm going to be your guide to the apocalypse. How's that sound, all right? Sound like fun, all right? Now, when you say apocalypse, uh, what you think of is that, is that great end time wars. You think about those buzzing beings that go around and stinging you. You think about the horses, uh, earthquakes leveling everything. But it's important to understand what apocalypse is. The meaning of apocalypse simply means to pull back the curtain, to reveal. There's a sign, there's something that I want you to understand. It's just pulling back the curtain so you can see. So right here, I'm going to do a little reveal here. I'm going to pull back the curtain here. And here we have uh, the Will Robinson robot from Lost in Space. that would go, danger, Will Robinson, danger. I thought that was applicable today. Uh, as we're talking about things that are coming forward, uh, he's warning you, giving some insight. It's to reveal. Apocalypse means to reveal, to unveil, to show. And so it's really important for us to see what is going on, especially as we look around in all the shaking and what's going on in our world today. Now, I thought I'd start by teasing you a little bit, by giving you some stuff that that has recently occurred that will give you some ideas of what a sign is. You know, 9-11 has been talked as, as a sign. It was a sign to let us know of a warning uh, of future judgment of problems and, and changes coming on. And some of the things about 9-11, it's a template. If you begin to read, you find that in Jeremiah and in Daniel that there was this war, this coming thing that was going to happen, and Jeremiah kept talking about it. And he said, well, what happened is this nation will come, it will strike you at the very foundations. And not only will it strike at the foundations, it will come to your gates. Now, I find that interesting because as we're looking at what's going on, 9-11 was kind of that awakening, alerting to us some things about that. What would be our foundations? If you were to kind of look at what are the two things that America is known for, one would be military, the second would be economics, all right? The military, the Pentagon was started and built during the World War II. That's when we really came uh, to a place of being a world power. Uh, we were known before, but we became the world power doing that. And the Pentagon was started building in 1941 on September 11th one of the sites that were attacked. Another site that, is, that we're well known for and area that we're known as a power is our economics. Okay, Wall Street and the tw Twin Towers and all that was about our financial power. That's what they were attacking deliberately. New York City was founded or started on September 11th. Then it says that the enemy, when it strikes an attack, will be like an eagle swooping out of the sky at your gates. Now, what's the gate of America? Statue of Liberty, New York. Okay, where did the planes come? To the Twin Towers. The planes that they were flying were American Airlines, which has an eagle on its tail of its plane. And it's an eagle swooping down out of the sky. Again, signs to let you know this is happening. 
in that template laid out in scripture that happened before and was talking about now prophetically, the other thing that it says is there'll be 19 years from that striking before something else begins to happen. And if you take the 9-11, which was, what, 2001? Add 19 years to it. Anyone got a math idea of what year that would put us in? Something called 2020. And the sign that would come at that time would be a great pandemic. Have you heard of anything about a pandemic going on? I'm just curious, you know, if you're, you're aware of all this. These are signs that have been recently come. On the day that the bombers were left a shofar, a warning. It says there'll be a warning that goes forth. There was a sound of a shofar that was heard in the city in which the terrorists began their journey in Boston and in New York. That sound ended exactly 1030 when the last tower fell. Signs of a warning to prepare our hearts to get ready to know other things are happening. And these are things that Jeremiah predicted along with that pestilence. Now, John, uh, when he has his vision and revelations, and we talk about the apocalypse, you know, at the end of the world, that's where we kind of got to think the apocalypse means the end of the world. It means just revelation, a vision. Uh, and so we focus on the tribulation, the last seven years. And we focus on the horse, and we focus on the, on the great war of Armageddon, and we focus on uh, the stinging beings that go around. I can go on through all types of other things. And we spend a lot of time talking about those things. Uh, the tribulation is broken into two parts. The first three and a half years, the second three and a half years, uh, marked by what happens by the Antichrist in the beginning, in the temple, in the middle of the temple. But what you need to know... God shared revelations. God shared in Daniel and Jeremiah. God shared these things in Ezekiel, these prophecies, not to scare you, not to bring fear, but to let you know, I've got a plan. I've got this under. Everything else seems totally out of control. And, I, and with the lawlessness and things going on, I can think that things can kind of seem a little out of control right now. God says, no, I, I've got this. I am in control. And I'm telling you what's happening in the future, just so you know, I've already finished it. I've already taken care of it. I want you to rest in the goodness I have for you. Really key thing. When you read uh, Jeremiah and Daniel, he kept saying, these things will happen so that I can bring good, so I could change your hearts. So I can have you check the road you're on and say, is this the road you want to in on? It was to bring goodness, not harm. Judgment happens once. Because we can only survive judgment once. Okay? Judgment happens once, and that's in the tribulation. The other things that occur are to bring good, to prepare your heart, give you peace. God's got a plan to give you a hope. So that's good news. So I got a verse uh, in Daniel 2.20. I really felt like I wanted to add it in this morning, so you might want to write it down so you can go back to it. I just want you to listen to it. Uh, this is the, one of the first times Daniel gives a vision. In fact, what's happened is, is Nebuchadnezzar says, if no one can tell me what the dream is and then what the interpretation is, we're going to kill all you wise men. All right? Daniel hears about this. He prays and 
he comes and he has, he has the vision. And this is what he, he says. He says, praise the name of God forever and ever. For he has wisdom and power. God has wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings. He sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. In fact, the dream that he's going to interpret, we're not talking about today, but it's about the different changes of kings that are going to happen, all right, starting with him, and gives knowledge to scholars. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. So if you seek him, he's going to show you. He's going to reveal things. He's going to make things clear for you. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, even though he's surrounded by light. I thank and praise God. God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what he asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. God's there to reveal, to show. As we dig into his word, we understand his word, as we trust his word. And I don't know of any other time and in place in history that we need to pray. Now, I know... Well, yeah, we need to pray. But this Wednesday, we're having a time of prayer. I know that you can have a lot of things that will take precedence, but I know of no more time that is more pressing that you pray. I know of no more thing that's more important than that you pray. God wants to be involved and active in your life. You can't be distracted any longer. And as I begin to share where we're at in the end times, that'll become more up. So don't forget this Wednesday. So during the series, I'm going to answer three questions. Today, the question is, is when did the end begin? Can I give you an idea of where in the end times we really are, all right? That's kind of my goal today. So Lord, we just pray as we look at these events and things that are happening right now, as the shaking that is going on, Lord, we know that you will reveal, that you'll give us wisdom, that you have a plan, you have authority. You're asking us to be in step with you. Let us do that today as we trust you. Reveal things. Open our hearts in your name. Amen. The reason we're talking about this is that the Bible provides a roadmap. Actually, there's a timeline that's laid out in this that he talks about that we're going to be talking about also. But the first question I want to start with, I think it kind of relates to all of us, is why is this important? Why are end times important? Well, if you have been watching the news, uh, that, you know, that might help you know why this might be important. Also, about 23 to 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Talks about what's going to happen in the future. A lot of it is prophecy, and it shows the power of the word. And the seeing the signs, and you begin to see things, and you understand things, like I was sharing earlier, you would not even be able to pick those out unless you had read through Jeremiah. And go, my goodness, this really lines up with what's going on. And it's not only for that time, it is for this time. It's to comfort you. Talking about in times isn't to shake you and make you scared. It's to comfort you. Things are out of control, but he's in control. Thank God you're in control. You can look at one another and say, you have no control. 
Just to look at one another and say, I, I give you these opportunities so you don't miss them. You, you have no control. Just turn to one another. You have no control. It's just, you, you have no control. But God, he has control. And these, these are powerful moments. Why can't things just go along like they've been going along forever? Because God wants good for you. See, we don't understand, but when God created heaven and earth, and he created the earth, there wasn't sin. There wasn't suffering. There wasn't sickness. We brought that in. Why did God drive us out of the garden? So we needed the tree of life so that we lived eternally in our sin. Why is there death? So we wouldn't live eternally in, in the broken, messed up state that we are. Because there would come a time, which we're going to talk about, when God would come back and he will change everything back to the way it was. All right? So that's why we're talking. That's why it's important to me. But, Randy, this stuff scares me. It scares me when I'm reading it. I just want to let you know. That's kind of a, a good thing because it lets you know that you're in tune. It's like, okay, there's stuff in my life that really does need to change. A lot of stuff I've been hanging on to. Maybe I better... Let God do something about this, you know? There's got to be some shaking in my life. thing about it is, the end times have been around for 2,500 years and people have been talking about it. Uh, you look at the Old Testament, a large majority is about end times, about what's coming in the future. You look at Isaiah, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Daniel, where we're going to focus today. Daniel was written hundreds of years before today, yet he speaks a lot about what's going on, and we'll be talking about that. Now, where I'm going to pick up the passage in Daniel, Gabriel, who's an actual angel of the Lord, has come to talk to Daniel, all right? He's going to tell Daniel about the future. He lays out a timeline that begins to explain things about prophetic years, and what's going to happen in those years. And as we look at this timeline, we're going to see a couple things that occur. One of the first things is Babylon, which is a major kingdom that has taken them into captivity, is going to be overcome by Persia, another kingdom. In fact, in this prophecy that Daniel first started with, which we're not even talking about, he lays out, here's this, this is what your kingdom is, uh, starting with you, Nebuchadnezzar, and then here's what comes next. And, and Daniel lives through four kings, two different empires. And he's in a key place, and he's continually revealing dreams to them. But we pick up here in Daniel 9, and verse 20, it says, I went, Daniel, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem and his holy mountain. Jerusalem sits on a mountain and on a hill. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in early visions, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen. Listen carefully so you can understand the meaning of this vision. There's going to be a period of 70 sets of seven. We'll get into this math. And then decree for your people and your holy city to finish what? 
to finish up their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, to anoint the holy place. So time's been given to you as Israel, as a nation. It's 490 prophetic years, all right? Where this prophecy is going to unfold. 490 years of prophecy. 70 weeks of seven, which are called Shabu, which is a Hebrew root, which means a year. All right? So the, each, each seven session is, is a year. And so you do 70 uh, times seven, that's 490 years. And Gabriel says, understand, there'll be 490 prophetic years. That's how we get and understand those years. Inside your notes. The key to understanding the 490 years is important because it relates to Israel, but also it reveals the end time which is a tribulation. We're going to talk about it. He says, this is prophetic. This is important for several reasons. And, and we're going to see. One, it finishes transgression. Because of your sin, and you guys are captured, you're taken in exile, it's going to finish up your transgression. It's going to make an end to sin. Not just for you, but for everyone. Because it's talking about Jesus coming also in this process. It's going to make reconciliation for your iniquity. You know where you messed up? God's going to make it right. Bring everlasting righteousness. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit because you cannot do it. And I've prepared a way that you can be righteous. That's why we're doing communion today. Set, seal up vision and prophecy. It's going to wrap this all up. And anoint the most holy. And set him apart. This means that there's 490 years, and then the end begins. Did you hear that? 490 years, and then the end begins. Now, there are three ages that we're still left that we're in. The first age is the age of grace. Right now, we live in an age of grace. That means you're going to ask Christ to forgive you. He will forgive you. Jesus died for you. He's there for you. You know, this period is different than other periods in history. There is an age of grace. Over 2,000 years of grace have been given, all right? And that is pre-trib, all right? That's occurring. It's going on. Then there's going to be the rapture, the taking away of the church. And what happens right after that is, is the next age. That's the severe age of grace. See, the church is going to be gone. The Holy Spirit's going to be gone. But people by the thousands, are still going to be accepting Christ, but the Antichrist will have been given authority to overcome you, to behead you. Great evil is going to occur during this time. Killing of millions and martyrs. And then, the Great Tribulation. Three and a half years of just unprecedented killing. In fact, it says later on, listen when it says, it says, if it were not cut short, everyone would have died. That's how severe things are going to be. Revelations 19, 1, 11 through 21. Then I saw the heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its ruler was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly, and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except him, Jesus, he wore a robe dipped in blood, 
And his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, make note of that, dressed in the finest, purest white linen, followed him on the white horse. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will decree the fierce wrath of God. Again, the only time it's used is in the end times uh, uh, that it occurs, the wrath of God. The Almighty, like juices flowing from a wine press, on his robe and at his thigh are written this title, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. And he will return. So I want to point out a few things in this passage. First of all, we're the bride of Christ. The white worn by the army is the church that has been taken. We'll be gathered in the sky, we're going to heaven, and then we're coming back with Jesus as the army to set things right. So that's, that's where you're going to be in that part, okay? Jesus gave 2,000 years of grace. More than that. 2,000 years of grace to accept him, to receive him, to let him be a part of your life. You had this period of unprecedented grace. All right? And at his coming, he will rule with an iron scepter and grace will have ended. And judgment and restoring the world to what it was before, will happen. So grace will come to an end. But you're in that period right now. But it will come to an end. Why is this important? If you love yourself, if you love anyone in your family, if you have friends that you care about, this period of grace, this opportunity, this time will come to an end. It is our time to share the message. It's our time to stir people up. It's our time to let them know Jesus loves you. Jesus has grace for you. Jesus has done the work for you. You need to accept him. You need to do it now. Now is your time to do that. That's why we are praying. And in our prayer time, and even on Sunday morning, we started a few weeks ago where we're having you put down names of people that you want God to really touch and impact. And you've written down your names, and you haven't done that, you can write it down. If you're online, you can see our name in the chat, and we'll add it to this list. And we're going to be praying for it, that God will change their lives. Already two people that have been written down have had their lives changed and made a decision to accept Christ. So Lord, right now, we pray for these names and these individuals. We pray for those under our influence. We pray that you're, you will touch their hearts, that you will work on them, Lord God. You will draw them to you. You will cause them to know your love and your grace. Lord, you cause the, she, the things that blind them from knowing who you are to just drop from their eyes, Lord God. You will reveal to them your love and your care, your power and your authority, and your Holy Spirit will descend upon them. Have access to their minds and heart 24-7. Lord, we decree that in your name. Amen and amen. It's important that we pray for him. It's also important because at this time in history, there are more people living today 
than have lived through all of history. If you take everyone that has ever lived and you put a number on that, it's less than everyone that's living right now, today. And in this period of grace, God wants everyone to come to know him. Everyone to have access to him. It continues on. Verse 25. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven. That's 49 years. Plus, 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the commandment is given to rebuild Israel. 49 years will happen, and then the 62 uh, times 7 will happen once I've said rebuild Jerusalem. All right? This is all about Nehemiah. His whole story in Nehemiah of him going, being given the supplies and to go back and to rebuild the walls. That's all it's talked about. And it says, this is what's going to happen. Um, given to rebuild the, the, the Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, Jesus comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses besides the sparrowless times. And he says, there's Sambalit and all the different ones that were attacking them and leading war against them like that. Uh, God defeated them all. And this was predicted and told about that would happen. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. All right, that's Jesus. The word killed actually translates, he'll make a covenant. Being as we're taking communion today, it's important for you to know that Jesus and God made a covenant on your behalf. When you come to communion, you go, man, I have so messed up. I don't, I don't know, you know. I don't know why you even listen to me. I'm not listening to you. There's a covenant that I have entered into with God the Father for you, in spite of you, so you wouldn't mess it up. That's powerful. It's important to know. And Gabriel now gives the details on the 490 years. After the period, after these seven times seven, there'll be 62 sets of seven. The anointing one will then be killed. All right? And... Then another ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. So taking some time and calculating this out is kind of help you out according to Gabriel. March 14th, 445 BC is the start time. We know that exact date because in history we have that day when it's recorded uh, by Exerius, uh, that he's recorded, he writes it down. This is a day that he sent them back with the supplies to rebuild the temple and, and to rebuild the walls. Uh, Sir Henry Rolleston found records in the palace when they were digging up the palace in Persia that dated the exact date. They gave March 14th, 445. And when you calculate that out, this is what happens. You had the 49 years to build the city. Then the 62 times 7, which is 483 years. Now, what you need is the days. To find the days, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, which is different than our 365 days. They have 360 days to a year. All right? So that's why it's different. You calculate the 62, the 483 years by the lunar calendar. You come up with 173 days. In 880 days. You have 173,880 days from March 14th 
4.45 to April 6th, the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem to begin his march to the cross. Exactly. Predicted centuries earlier and told. Exactly. See, you know, there's a lot of things, well, the Bible's infallible like that. When you look at prophecy, it proves to you there's not one prophecy that has not come about. How could that have been orchestrated? Something that was around hundreds of years before Jesus. How could he get to the exact day? How could he make himself be born on the exact day? How could he make himself die on the day? How could he do? He could not do that unless he were God. Unless this was true. And the word of God is inspired and it's prophetic. And when you look at all the prophecies made, this is just one. You begin to understand the power of God, the power of the word that can be in your life. So, starting at verse 26. And after the 62 weeks of the Messiah shall be cut off, he'll be killed, but not by himself or for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, what it's referring to, um, you're supposed to read that, Arno. I didn't have enough notes to squeeze those in for those looking for the notes. I'm reading it right there. But I gave you the reference. Okay? So you all looking. All right. Who is to come? That's the Antichrist. So there are those of us that are involved in preparing for the Antichrist, all right? Shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. The disciples are looking around at the temple saying, oh, this, this temple is so beautiful. Look at all its markings. It's actually, this is incredible. Then in Luke 21, 5, it says, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on another. Cross the page. Luke continue in verse 20. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out. Those out in the country shall not return to the city. But those will be the days of God's vengeance. And the prophetic words of Scripture will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for a pregnant woman, for a nursing mother in those days. For there will be disaster in the land and great anger uh, against his people. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives. The Jewish people are scattered around the world at this time. To all nations of the world. And that's what occurred. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. So in this timeline... He says the temple's going to be destroyed in A.D. 70, all right, 70 years after Christ's death. The Roman army came in. They're tired of the Jewish people, and they destroyed the temple because they know it's the most precious. And, the, and Titus, who is the general right then, who later becomes emperor, asked that every stone be ripped up, even the foundation stones, and scattered so they could not rebuild. And that's exactly what happened. And then all the Jews were scattered around the world among many different nations. Now, as a side note, I should just point out to you, guess what? In this year of 2020, about 10 to 20 times the amount of Jews have returned to Israel this year than any of the previous years. 
they're very close to the tipping point where the majority of Jewish people will begin to have lived in Israel and not be scattered as exiles around the world. That is about to happen and become prophecy that's fulfilled. I will bring you back even though you're scattered. You have never seen any nation that's been destroyed, scattered around the world, that's come back with their language, their culture, but Israel. And that's going to be happening very soon. So, means we're kind of sidelined a little bit. Who's the Antichrist, all right? The Antichrist will come from the Roman Empire. I'm going to throw a picture up there. Uh, Often when we think of the Roman Empire, we think of Europe, we think of Italy, we think of that being the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was far greater than that. It included the Middle East, it included uh, Northern Africa, it included a lot of parts. John, when he talks about the Antichrist, twice calls him the Assyrian. There's a lot of prophecy, especially today with the, the new insights that have happened, that it could be that the Antichrist will be Muslim and will come out of one of those countries. You know? So it's something to be looking for and something to be thinking about. We cannot know the exact day, but you sure can heck can know the time period. All right? When Terry got pregnant with Jonathan, I had a good idea that we were close to having a baby. I didn't know the day, and I didn't know the time, but I really knew that, you know, hey, in the next few days, this thing's going to happen, all right? And what you're getting is a lot of facts and information to let you know we're at the end of the end. As we look at what's going on, we are really in that time period. Point number three. To that 483, exactly to Jesus, when it predicted and said it happened, there's seven prophetic years that are missing. Those seven prophetic years are the tribulation, of which are yet to happen. That totals 490. It's the last thing to occur. Daniel 9:27. The ruler, the Antichrist, will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of sevens. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offering offered up in the temple. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, the beheadings and all the things he's doing, he will set up a sacrilegious object that will cause desecration. Scripture calls it the abomination of desolation. Until the fate decreed for the defiler is finally poured out on him and, and God takes judgment on him. Tribulation begins when the Antichrist confirms the treaty. Doesn't necessarily say he's going to make the treaty. He's going to say, yes, we're going, to, we're going to support this. We're going to be a part of this treaty. That's when the seven years begins and you begin to know who the Antichrist is. In the middle of that seven years, he creates the abomination. It's where in the temple, he sets up and makes himself as God. Listen to what happens, the details of the abomination in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be easily shaken or alarmed. So turn to somebody say, don't be easily shaken or alarmed. Okay? Don't, don't be easily shaken here, okay? God has a plan here. By those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. 
Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision or revelation or a letter supporting it. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, interesting he's called lawlessness, is revealed. There's a great falling away from the church. Is that happening? Anyone know? Yes. Not at somebody. Yes, it's happening. All right. Is there a lot of lawlessness going on right now? Well, yeah. Nod your head in case they haven't been watching the news. All right. The one who brings destruction, he will exalt himself and defy everything that the people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember I told you about this when I was with you? This is Jesus. And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. The church is holding him back. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until one who is holding it back is out of the way. That's the church, folks. The fact that we exist, you're the, it's the only thing holding back in times. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay them with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. So one of the key things that you get out of this, the temple needs to be rebuilt, right? All right? So we need to get, you should know that all the artifacts for worship, all the artifacts for giving sacrifice, everything that was laid out in the Old Testament, for the Old Testament, the Jews have already made. And they're setting waiting to build the temple. The other thing you should know about, and it seems like I'm digressing, but I'm not. On the 9th of Av, that's the Jewish calendar, it's been a bad year for the Jewish throughout centuries. The first temple was destroyed on the 9th of Av. The second temple was destroyed on the 9th of Av. Spain kicked all the Jewish people out of their country confiscated all their lands, all their wealth, sent them wandering on the 9th of Av. This year, on the 9th of Av, which has already happened, for the very first time since 1967, a thousand Jewish people were allowed to worship on the Temple Mount. That has not happened. If you're even a Christian and you're going in, you happen to go into the Muslim-controlled area and you, you go into their temples like that, you're not allowed to pray. You're, it's very protected. There's police in there. You're not allowed to do that. Jewish people aren't even allowed on the site. For the first time since 1967, they were allowed to hold a prayer meeting on the exact site of the temple. is to be built. Just, just an update. Matthew 24, 15 through 22. The day is coming when you see that Daniel prophet spoke about the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Pay attention. 
Then those in Judea who flee to the hills, a person out on the roof or the roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person on the hills must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for a pregnant woman or a nursing mom in these days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or in the Sabbath, for there will be a great anguish, great tribulation, many translations use. Then at the time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity had been shortened, not a single person would survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Daniel tells about the tribulation in two parts. We've talked about the first three and a half years being the severe grace, the next three and a half, the great tribulation, and that he cuts that time of suffering even short. Now, that's about the time I've got to, to spend on this message right now. So if I end here, it would be kind of bad news, wouldn't it? I mean, it's like, gay, Randy, I need a little bit more going on here because this is not sounding good. So I want to end with Luke 17, 24 to 37. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will be on that day when the Son of Man... But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly. That was the first time he was here. He died on the cross and be rejected by his generation. When the Son of Man returns, this is the second time, first of all, there will be a private meeting of the church in the air. We'll be given our white robes. We'll join his army. We'll come back to make things right. It will be like in the days of Noah. In those days, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah walked into the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. The world will be like that in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying and selling, you know, uh, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. The angel even told Lot, he says, until your family's removed from the city, we cannot bring judgment. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. Until God comes and gets us in, in the church, wrath will not be poured out. And he goes on, he says, when the Son of Man is revealed, on that day, a person on the deck of roof must not go back into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. This is what we call the rapture. The church, those who know Jesus Christ, those who have a relation with Christ, will be taken away and removed from the earth. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, one will left. Now, I'm sure at this point, there'll be two people standing at the microwave, but I just wanted to make that little... Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. And Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures in the air shows there's a carcass nearby, so the signs indicate the end is near. And we'll be gathered where? In the air. We'll be raptured and taken away. Jesus is coming before judgment. 
The only time wrath of God is poured out is in two times. One in the making world and the second time is in the end. And it's a reshaping of the whole world. That's the only time that that occurs. It only happens once like that because everything's gone after that. All right? So, so the rapture has to happen before the final judgment. It says there's going to be buying, selling, marriage, planning. Okay? Happening right up to the moment. It, you know, if you're in the tribulation, you're not going to be doing any of that. I'm going to read a few things that are going on in the tribulation, and you're going to understand. When, when the tribulation happens, you're not going to have time for any of this. Jesus says, when you see the abomination, the temple, wrath begins. Revelation says, the riders on the pale horse kill one quarter of all mankind. Revelation 9, three plagues kill one third of all mankind. Revelation 16, all sea life dies. Then a star of wormwood hits the earth. And that's the earthquake it talks about that levels everything, all right? You're not going to be planning and you're not going to be getting married in all of that chaos that's going on, all right? So it has to be before the rapture. Business as usual, then the rapture. Look up and then judgment. Here's the question I have for you today, very simply. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is the period of grace God has given you. You know, we can be distracted. We can be so selfish and thinking about our own stuff. But are you ready? Are you prepared? God has given you this time of grace to make sure your hearts are ready. There's going to be a severe age of grace, but I don't think you want to live during that one with the beheading and everything else going on. Now is the time. Now is the time to accept him and respond to him. Now is the time to say, I'm pushing aside doubts. God, I'm, I'm, I'm committing to you. Now I need you. Now is the time to have a foundation where you say, you know what? I believe you're the son of God. I admit I've done sin. I admit there's things that's wrong in my life that's out of control and pride and anger and just all the garbage that's in my life and trying to be about me. And God, I need to accept your forgiveness. Lord, I need to surrender to you. It's been so long, my way, my thoughts, my doing. God, I need to surrender to you now. And then I express it. I say it through my mouth. That lays a foundation on which we can stand. Jesus said, if you confess me, if you'll do these things, then I will bring my grace, my Holy Spirit. I'll bring my power. I'll forgive you. I'll make you right but you have to accept me first. We need to pray that. Would you just bow your heads with me for a second? If you're online or if you're here right now, God does not want you being fearful. This is the age of grace. He wants you to be empowered. He wants you to be equipped. He wants his resources to be at your beckoning. But we need to pray. Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. Would you pray it in your mind? You pray it out loud right now. Just repeat with me. Lord, I believe you're the Son of God. And I admit, I don't have it figured out. I'm 
rebellious. I've done things that have hurt you. I've done things that hurt other people. I am wrong. I need forgiveness. I'm having a hard time forgiving myself because of the things that I've done. But I accept your forgiveness. I accept your righteousness. I accept what you're doing in me right now, Lord, by admitting my sin. And Lord, I surrender to you. I am asking that you be in charge, that you lead my life, that you direct my decision. I'm accepting, and Lord, I'm surrendering. You be God. And I'm expressing it. I'm using my mouth and my thoughts and my mind to say, God, this is what I want, what Randy said. And if that's you out there online, you just type me into the chat so someone can talk to you. If that's you here, I'll be down here afterwards praying after communion, and I ask you to come on down there and just meet with me, and I'll pray with you. The age of grace is coming to a close. But the good news is the rapture. The word of God is inspired. It's infallible. The prophecy proves it. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up. This is a time in this year. The Hebrew calendar where it says, this is a year of the mouth. It's interesting that in this year of the Hebrew calendar of the mouth, our mouths are covered. Because it doesn't want us speaking of who God is, speaking of his love, going with boldness and telling others. When this is a year that we're called to do that, that our voices are to be a trumpet sounding out to all. So as I wrap up today, I just have one single question. What is the Holy Spirit telling you? What do you feel impressed to do? Because God is in charge and as he brings a name of somebody to, to pray for, as he talks about you getting right and diving in, as you do that, his master plan throughout the world is being worked on and is being completed because we're joining him.